Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. What a joy it is to be here with you all this morning. And let, yes, let me just go ahead and address the fact I know that I was not supposed to be here this morning. If, if you're a visitor and you've seen the bulletin, my name is not Rich Brown. I'm Patrick Malfris, the pastor here at Old Providence. Long story short, my family and I were supposed to go on a vacation this week, but Amanda got quite ill. And don't worry, she's fine, not contagious, anything like that. But um, she got quite ill, and so we decided it was probably not the best idea to continue with our trip. So we just came home, and so it is good to be with you all this morning. It is providential. Rich Brown, who was supposed to fill in for me, it ended up that emergency situation came up at the church plant where he is, and they needed somebody to be there. So anyway, uh, the, the Lord and his providence works all things out for our good and for his glory. And uh, somebody's already said to me, how am I supposed to enjoy your vacation if you're still here? So, you know, sometimes it works like that, but nevertheless, we're, we're happy to be back. Now, we are here to worship the Lord and worship we shall. But first, let me just point out the bulletin to you and the fact that y'all, Vacation Bible School is two weeks from today, right? Two weeks from today. It starts at 530. There's information in there. Parents, please register your children if you have not already done so. The form is in the bulletin. We have opportunities to volunteer, opportunities to donate. If you are interested, please speak to, well, talk to Amanda first, because I don't know anything about that stuff, but I, I'm just doing what I'm told. Talk to, she's shaking her head, yes. Talk to Amanda if you want to volunteer. She will get you plugged in, and if you can't find her, find me, and, and we'll find her together. Um, VBS is a huge undertaking, so please do consider that. Now, other things are going on there in your bulletin, like the fact that youth group is meeting tonight at 5.30, but I'm going to let you find all the rest of those things. Again, I welcome you, whether you are a first-time visitor or a lifelong member or, or somewhere in between. Nobody is here today by accident. God has brought us here, and he's brought us here to worship and praise his holy name. So let's prepare our hearts now as Donna leads us in the prelude. Our call to worship today comes from Psalm 33, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto him with the psalter and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise, for the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full. Full of the goodness of the Lord. And isn't it, as we think about this past week, how parched it was this time a week ago, and yet the rain came, and then it came some more, and then it came some more. We're reminded of the promises of God's word, where he waters the earth and fills it with good things. 
where he cares for us, where he provides for us. And we can see that in so many ways if we'll take the time to focus on what he's done. But certainly, if you have trouble with that, look around you. The fact that you are here right now is evidence of his provision. It's evidence of his love for you. And it's for this reason that we come together today praising his holy name. So now let's go to the Lord in prayer, after which we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and then confess the Apostles' Creed. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, we praise you for this time that you have given to us, this time that you have carved out, and you have worked all things out in each of our lives up until this moment. You have called us into your presence. Yes, it, it still feels like the old Providence Sanctuary. still feels like Spotswood. Outside, it, it even feels like June, finally. And yet... You have called us before you, the holy and righteous one. You, who, who, who nothing, nothing is hidden from you. You see all things, you know all things. And in knowing us, you still tell us to come because you love us. Father, please be with us now in this time. Help us to cherish it. Help us to appreciate it as the psalmist just wrote. Father, help us to lift up noises of praise, but not just now, as we leave here, as we wake tomorrow, let our lives be characterized by the praise that your word prescribes. Certainly in this time that lies ahead, we need your help to do this, so please guide us by your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Christ's name, and we also pray as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. Now let's continue with our worship as we go to the Psalms yet again and lift up the hundredth Psalm as we sing Psalm, or excuse me, Bible Song 209 in your green book or the words are on the screen. Universal praise. Please stand with me.
You may be seated and children, join me down front. Who do we have? There we go. Now we got the Sisters of Life. Is it just you girls that's out in this little place? You ever heard of the phrase feast or famine? Probably not. That's okay. <laughs> it means you either have a whole bunch of something or, or, or not a lot. But you know what? I am so glad that you two are here today because otherwise, if you weren't here, then I'd just be talking to an empty pew right now. So. It's good to see y'all this morning. Good morning. Thank you, darling. Good morning. I hope that you guys had a good week. Did y'all make it to the Rafine Carnival at all? Didn't make it to the Rafine Carnival? Don't feel bad. I didn't make it to the Rafine Carnival either. That's okay. Yeah? 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 Okay. Well, now, I want to talk to y'all about something important this morning, okay? Maybe you remember, I hope you do, but on Sunday mornings in our time together for the last several weeks, we've been talking about different promises that God makes to us in his word. Now, last week, I read part of Psalm 103 to you where God promises that he knows us and that he understands us, and his word promises that he's merciful and loving toward us. And today, I want to tell you about another promise that's in God's word, but it's about being scared. Have you guys ever been scared before? What's something that scares you? Um, when I was little, I was scared of the dark. You're scared of the dark? That's one of my examples in here. What about you, sweetheart? Is there anything that scares you? Yeah. Yeah? Your sister sometimes? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, people are scared of lots of different things, right? Some people are scared of things like spiders or snakes. Miss Amanda's so scared of snakes, she doesn't even like to see pictures of snakes, okay? <laughs> There's lots of people like that. Sometimes people are afraid of the dark. Sometimes it's thunder and lightning and big storms. And sometimes people are scared of other people. But you know, the Bible talks a lot about being scared. And sometimes we can read stories about people in the Bible that are scared. After you went to Children's Church last week, and here we read Psalm 3, which is a story about King David being scared. And he's on the run because there's people that want to capture him. And there's people that want to kill him. And he had to run away from Jerusalem to escape. And while he ran, you better believe that he was scared. Because, again, it wasn't just one person hunting for him. It was thousands of people that gathered together to catch him and kill him. But as he ran away, you know what? David remembered something. He remembered. And the one who lifts up my head, I cry aloud to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. Y'all, what David remembered is the promise that God makes to always defend his people and always be there for us when trouble comes. And because David remembered that, David then went on to say, I lie down and I sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. That means that David, even though he knows that there's a dangerous situation going on, he remembers that God is in charge. He remembers God's promise to always be our shield. And that's what I'm going to pray for you guys to remember now, because you know what? There's a lot of adults that live lives based almost on fear. Yeah, based almost entirely on fear. 
They're scared of things all the time, and I don't want you guys to be that way. I want you to remember that the Lord protects you. Let me pray. Our Father, please be with these children, but also please be with the rest of us. Fear is, is, is dangerous. Fear makes us, uh, causes us to make terrible decisions, and sometimes we can forget about you entirely in our fear. But I pray that these children never would, and I pray the rest of us wouldn't as well. Help us to remember the promise of your word, that you are our shield and our defender. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can go. And now, as they are being dismissed, let's take this time to go to our Lord in silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts, hearts that are filled with gratitude and admiration and love and awe because of who you are. We can look back in life and see things that you have done, ways that you have blessed us, ways that you have protected us. We can look forward in life, and as I've just talked about with the children, we can see your promises that we know you will never break. And if we take the time to look around us right here, right now, we can see signs of your provision for us. We will see ways that you have protected us, not all of them. We can't possibly see all the ways you've protected us, all the ways you've loved us, all the ways you've blessed us. But even so, we can be grateful. And as a result, we can live a life characterized by praise. In this world around us, we are given so many alternatives to living a life of praise. We are told by the world around us to just focus on ourselves, to focus on our pleasure, our wants, our desires, to do everything for us, for me, for now. But what you have called us to is so much greater. For you and your mercy have allowed us to be part of your grand redemptive plan. In making us your children by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have adopted us. And as part of your grand redemptive plan, we share in the glory. We share in the responsibility, yes, but the grand privilege of being heralds for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of sharing the beauty, the freedom. Oh, Father, in this world that offers so many options for identity and, and pursuits and passions, there's so much slavery. Slavery to the flesh, slavery to pride, slavery to the thoughts of others. And, and, and we are so grateful that as your son said, if the Son of Man sets us free, we're free indeed. Let us live out that freedom. Again, through praise. Through seeking your faith by knowing your word, 
through our devotion to you, through times like this, yes, but even beyond this, through lifting up prayers and praises. Father, please work in our hearts that instead of falling prey to the temptations of the world around us, instead of being conformed to the pattern of this world, as your word says, instead we would be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We can't do this on our own. Only you can renew us. So we pray that you would, and not only us, those outside of this church as well. We face so many challenges, challenges like, like, like hurt, like heartache, like, like disappointment, challenges like those of the physical variety, and we have many that aren't here today because of, of physical limitations, and we pray that you would bless them and keep them. Others who are in recovery from different things, watch over them and bring them back to good health. And still others that are facing other challenges. And sometimes, Father, we go through things that even we can't evaluate well, but you can. You know what we need, so please give it. But as we consider your church in the world around us, again, what a grand privilege, what a, what a wonderful responsibility it is to be those that bear the light of Christ. Help us to be about your business. As we look at the world around us full of wars and rumors of wars and, and so many different things, we could get lost so easily. But let us keep our eyes on you. Please bless us in these things that we in turn would bless you. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. And now, let us stand and continue in our time of worship by taking our hymn books and turning to hymn number 11 as we sing Holy, Holy, Holy together. Please stand with me.
go to our Lord, our Father, in light of your holiness, we, we recognize that we are not, not of our own accord, it's only in Jesus Christ that we are holy, only because of his righteousness can we be righteous. And Father, this again points to your provision for us. So now as we come to this moment in the service where we return to you out of your provision for us, we pray that you would bless the gift, that you would bless the giver. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.
Thank you very much, choir. You know, when we think about Jesus' sacrifice, what Jesus did for us, the obvious comes to mind that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins, but sometimes we can forget that Jesus died also for our access to the Father in prayer. I don't know if you think about that often, but we come to the Lord not through some earthly high priest. I'm not a priest, I'm a pastor, right? We don't have to have some earthly high priest to act as a mediator between us and God. We don't have to have an altar where we sacrifice an animal to come before God. Jesus is our sacrifice once and for all. And what a blessed thing that is. So thank you very much, choir. Now, again, let me just say uh, how really happy I am to be with you all today. Really, I am, because when it became apparent um, that that I would, in fact, be with you today, I I was overjoyed because as I planned out this series, and Donna could tell you, I, I sent an email to to both she and Stephanie early on before I got started in the psalm, I started thinking, okay, I want to do these psalms right here. But it occurred to me that I left one out. And that's good because I was presented with a query today. Um, As you may know, we are currently making our way through the psalms during our summer series here. Uh, The reason being in part because, like I've said before, there's a psalm for every occasion. And while we've only made it through a few psalms thus far, I hope that you can see the beauty, the the practicality, the relatability, right? And hopefully you're starting to see the overall purpose of the Lord work that sort of thing out. Certainly, there is also very clearly a thread, a common thread that runs throughout, even so a common focus. That focus, of course, all of the psalms point us to the glory of God, to who God is. In light of this, we must conclude what a marvelous thing it is to be from being His children and being called His own. Excuse me, we saw this last week, didn't we, with the tale of two fathers in Psalm 3. How, how faithful God our heavenly... When do the Psalms point to who God is? The Psalms point to who we should be. They point to our proper response to who God is and why we should respond the way that we do. for today. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100. Yes, Psalm 100. We already sang it, didn't we? For our opening. uh, Fundamental, if not the most fundamental of all the Psalms. The obvious to God's people but sadly, quite often, is not. The modern world in which we live, and sadly the majority of... already lifted it up today, but let's read it again. Now, as we ponder our proper response to who God is, and, and, and try to gain back that which has been lost in, in so many places. Let's pray. 
and then we'll dig in. Our Father, please be with us now as we come to your word, as we come to this psalm that in many ways is the fundamental psalm, the, 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 the very core of what your psalms are about. Help us to understand it, but not just in a philosophical, academical, or may it never be so an anecdotal sense. Let, let us see the truth of your word. Please now, guide us by your Holy Spirit, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, remember what I said, Psalm 100 contains a teaching that is for of the Lord, Psalm 100, as we read together. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. It is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Thus ends the 100th Psalm. May God bless the reading of his holy Now, just a few moments ago before reading, I made the statement regarding Psalm 100. I said that, that the modern world in which we live, and sadly the majority of American Christianity in particular, has lost... What's been lost? What concept taught in the 100th Psalm is missing from American Christianity today? And certainly America and the world around us as a whole. Well, we're going to go... songbook. Remember I mentioned that, that the Psalms was Israel's songbook. Interestingly enough, the command of verse 1 is not only given to Israel. No, if you, if you look at it more or all the earth. Well, the is the songbook for ancient Israel. It's for all people everywhere. And I know that's the obvious thing. You can say, well, yeah, that, that's kind of missing in the world around us. That's what modern spirituality is all about. It's, it's all about you. But starting at the start here, the idea that all religions are, religions are valid, that, that it doesn't matter if you call God Allah or if you follow Buddha or whatever, the idea that spirituality is the key doesn't matter so much for, for whom you are spiritual or who you're praying to. No, that's completely false. It completely contradicts what's in God's word here. Yes, praise is missing from the world around us, but if that's a word of God. Psalm 100, you realize, is a setup for so many teachings in God's word. So many, I, I can't even list them here, but I'll give you one. Philippians 2. 
Philippians 2, starting in verse 10, says that a time is coming so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But that's contrary to this time that we're living in. You know, there's lots of ways to put it in, in, in pastor circles. living in right now the nuns referring to non-religious folk by far and away young people refer to themselves and it sounds so good they say i'm spiritual but i'm not religious religion can be bad but only when religion replaces devotion when religion replaces relationship is when religion comes back. This concept of spiritual but non-religious, it sounds really The vagueness of their spirituality leaves them floundering back and forth with no foundation whatsoever. And the end result is that praise is lost. Spirituality becomes all about the individual not the God who is worthy of Creator and judge says is that everyone is to make a joyful noise unto himself. Now, is this about singing? You know, a lot of times people use this. If you don't sing that well like me, then maybe it is noise all the time. But that's not what this is talking about, you see. No, that this is a matter of confession. That's what Psalm 100 calls us to do. And no, I don't mean confessing. Singing is part of it, but in other manners as well. Hence how verse 2 begins. Not only is this talking about singing, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. You see, serving the Lord is directly linked to praising the Lord. You singing. Singing songs of praise is part of what God tells us to do. But part of this joyful noise, part of our confession should also be in serving the Lord in finding ways to do good, to bless the Lord, to praise Him. And it's that concept, living a life characterized by praise. Intentionality, that's why. Knowing why you're doing what you're doing. Knowing who you are praising and why. Being intentional about praising God with more than just song, but with our entire lives, which should be our ultimate response to God. Look, we don't earn His blessings. You cannot work your favor. And in the same way, you can never repay Him for what He's done for you. So the only response left is to praise Him. Now, you might be saying, okay, preacher, that sounds good to me, but I'm not seeing still this whole lost teaching thing, or I don't see what
song, right? I think Caleb now has 20 million listeners a week. So what's the big deal? What is so much of American Christianity? is the reason, is the basis for praise, the basis for confession, the basis for commitment to God, the basis for service, the basis for human existence, the basis for the entirety of Christianity itself. Praise other than it feels good. So what's been lost? The simple teaching of the rest of Psalm 100 that's revealed in verse 3. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. If you're still wondering, let, let me translate a little bit further. What so many have lost is the basic heaven and earth. That He's not your body. He's not your pal. He's not a benevolent uncle or grandfather who always has a treat and a wise word for you. My friends, he's Jehovah. People have lost is the fact that he is God and we are not. Things like that, right? But nevertheless, in this world that tries to convince you of these things, the end product is that we've lost, that he's God and we're not. And that we are to worship him because he is God. That he alone is worthy of worship. We worship him not for the sake of what he can do for us. We worship him because he's God. It's this concept in verse 3 there. That it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. This is what is missing in so many Y'all, when you miss this, you miss out. The purpose of our existence is not to find our own pleasure and happiness. No, so many in life think that it is. And how's that going for us? I, I, I don't want to politicize anything. That, that's not what this is about. But, y'all, this whole concept of it is God who made us and not we ourselves. We live in a time where it's so popular to reject People wonder why the suicide rate is so high. They say, oh, it's because of mean Christians. No, it's not. No, it's not. Do you need any other examples of our world glorifying homosexuality and transgenderism? It's Pride Month. You know, every company now has a straight rainbow flag. It's never been, quote, easier to be a homosexual, especially in the United States. My friends, when we lose this idea that it is God that has made us, made us and not we ourselves, when we lose this idea that we belong to God because He's the Almighty and we have to give an account to Him, when we lose Right? When you tell children that they're the product of random chance, that they come from nothing, that they'll never be held accountable by any. When you glorify 
pride and, and this idea that, no, you know, you may have been born a male or you may have been born a female, but you can recreate yourself. When you deny what into a spiral, and it's evident in so many ways around us. And y'all, the, the, the ultimate sacrifice of all of this is that when we forget that God made us, that we belong to Him, that means that we're only accountable to ourselves. And this life does... ...happiness, though. And we find pleasure and happiness, ironically enough, when, when we stop those sinful pursuits. to the real soul of what is going on. What so many have missed is that the basis for Christianity, religion, existence, is the first word of verse 3, to know. To know. You know, the term knowing here is not just about having intellectual knowledge in your noggin. The Bible Yes, but also to know and believe, to exercise faith. Y'all, the core of what is missing, knowing, not feeling, is the basis of faith. And we live in a world that is based on feeling so often. And worship is based on A very important statement is made on the order of how our faith should function and on how life should work. What we know must be the basis for what we do. Hence, verse 4 says, based on knowing God, Knowing that the Lord is God. Thankful unto Him and bless His name. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again now. Theology must inspire doxology. What we know, what we believe must be the basis of our doxology, our praise. And the reason Psalm 100 and the rest of God's Word teaches that theology, what we know must be the basis of what we do, is because feelings are such whims. Feelings come and go, and I'm not telling you feelings are always bad because the Lord has given us feelings too, but feelings cannot always be trusted. We live in this world that tells us over heart. Y'all, what does the Bible say? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That means your heart too. The point is that again, our feelings can't be trusted. Probably do too. When you know the right thing to do, but you don't care because you've run away with your feelings and where they run you to is destruction, where they run you to is away from God, your feelings don't carry you into God's, thanks with, into God's courts with thanksgiving. And if you want to know what's going on in the church in the United States, this is it. Your feelings carry you to worship yourself. worshiping one deity and if you're looking for that deity look in the mirror now am i being fair about the church sheer number yet is society being changed or is the church being changed by society 
Never has Christian content been so popular, yet sadly, so many are leaving the faith. And just doing what we feel is right, as opposed to doing what God says. Again, the call of Psalm 100, the call of Scripture, is that our theology, what we know and believe, has to be our center. Based on the Word of God, has to take priority, not what we Know ye. All of this comes down to who you and I are supposed to be, what, what God has called us to do. So what is that? In light of the psalm, what has God called us to do? At our simplest, our calling is to praise God in all ways. But my friends, we will not do this if we're just living by our feelings. When we do this, you get what we've got today, where we subject the truth to our feelings, not our feelings to the truth. And the beauty of this when we trust in His Word is the inheritance that we receive and that is that the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all. If your answer to that is, well, no, not really, then I would encourage you to examine yourself further. Examine the Lord based not just on the experience of this life. What He's done, what He's doing, and what He will yet do. Consider the means by which you have access to God, which is through Jesus Christ, and what God did to give you that access. It's through knowing Christ that you will know the Father. Know know ye that the Lord is God. This is the calling of Psalm 100. This is the calling of the Psalms. Know that the Lord is God and that you are His. Let the truth of God's Word and His goodness be the basis for your life, not your feelings and your whims. And if you know Jesus, don't wait. This calling, this promise, these blessings are all based on Jesus Christ. If you don't know Him, turn to Him today. And you will not be disappointed. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we praise You for the truth of Your Word. We praise You for its power, for its call. Father, we cannot go back and erase those times where we sought our own. replace those times where feelings were our motivating factor yet because of Jesus Christ you have removed the thought of our transgressions from us as far as east is from west oh father let what we know be the basis of who we are and what we do their hearts now and draw them to yourself. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And now let us close by singing of the basis of who we are and what we do. Jesus Christ, the solid
that. Receive now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 